listening to Divine Physiology, a sermon series preached in the spring of 2009 at Hocassin Baptist Church. Today's meditation introduces the series and is entitled Anatomy 101, The Head. Okay, if you open your Bibles to the first chapter of Ephesians, we're beginning a new sermon series this morning entitled Divine Physiology. And this sermon series, which will last the next five or six weeks, um, is going to be about the body of Christ, that is the church. That's where we're going to be focusing our attention this morning. Um, And I'm excited. I'm excited to begin this. Uh, the whole series is not going to be a study of Ephesians, but it's going to be a study in Ephesians. And so if you just want to just uh, have a mind of, of where to anchor yourself, uh, we're going to be looking as, as much as we can uh, from the book of Ephesians, from Paul's letter, uh, that's addressed uh, in Scripture um, as what he has for our lives and wh- what the Lord intends for us in the church. But... Uh, but this morning, really, is just a very, very short introduction. In fact, I'm only, I'm not the keynote speaker this morning. Uh, I'm like the opening band uh, this morning. Actually, uh, this, this morning's opportunity is, is going to be Terry Foster's opportunity to come before you and share his heart for ministry, his heart for the Lord, and, and I'm excited about that. And so this morning, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to introduce Terry by introducing the sermon series, because believe it or not, they're really in my heart, one and the same thing. And the reason they're one and the same thing was way, way back in October, uh, when I was the interim, I was, I was dealing with some natural questions that an interim pastor asks when they very likely might be the next pastor. I, I wasn't just an interim pastor who was going to go back to my home church when I was done. There was, in the back of my mind, this thought that if I do become the senior pastor here or the lead pastor or the pastor The next day, somebody's going to say to me, as many of you did, so have you thought about what you want for your associate pastor? And uh, before I was, I I couldn't wait to ask that question. It it was not possible, nor was it logical or reasonable for me to just kind of put that question in a bottle and say, well, I'm not even going to think about it until uh, the church has made the decision. Those things were going on in my spirit long long before uh, the affirmation in November. And as I thought about what do I want as an associate pastor, I found that I had no basis or groundwork or way of thinking about how to answer that question. Um, I, was, I was actually taken back by how ill-fit I felt and to even think about what would an associate pastor be. And so what I ended up having to do was kind of go back to square one in my life, not like review, am I a Christian, but in my understanding of the church, and I had to begin to ask, what is church? How can I even begin to answer who, who I would think would be a good person to fit in the leadership of the church if I don't know what church is, if I don't know what we're supposed to be doing here, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, right? This community extends long beyond the time, the time frame of Sunday. And how could I even begin to answer that unless I understood what the church was? And so I started reading and studying and praying about what is church. And this sermon series is in some way uh, my conversation with you about my conversation with God six, eight months ago. And so as we work through this, there'll be times when we're talking about things like service and gifts, 
which are going to deal, they won't deal so much with the idea of an associate pastor or church leadership. But times, particularly in, in this morning, I'm going to share with you ways that the Lord helped me think about how we, how we cast a vision for leadership in the church. And with that, if you turn your attention to Ephesians, the first chapter, I'm going to read, we'll focus this morning for very briefly uh, on two verses, verses 22 and 23. This is what Paul writes about Jesus Christ. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God places everything under the feet of Christ. And then he does something else. He makes Christ the head over the church, which is his body. That's what Paul says. This is, this is not the first time this shows up in Scripture. Paul uses the image of the body being the church, or the church being the body of Christ, numerous times, particularly in Corinthians and in Ephesians. This is the first time in the book of Ephesians that it begins to talk about Christ being the head of the body of the church. And, and he fleshes this out. You know, there's a number of ways you could understand the head of the body. You know, in some ways, the president of a corporation can be referred to as he's the head of this organization. Um, but the way Christ or excuse me, the way Paul takes this and continues to write about it, he's writing as though Christ is the physical head of not an organization, but of an organism. That the church is not an organization where we have some administrative head, but the church is an organism where we have a physical head, and that head is Christ, who is the head of the body. Which should cause us to ask, or at least to think about, this whole idea of the physiology of the body. And what it means to be the head. And if you know me well, you know that I, I don't like biology at all. It, uh, I've slept in many a college course, but in biology, I dreamed. <laughs> I have actually dreamed in biology. My friends say I have snored in biology class. So that's generally where biology sits. So as much biology as you're going to get from me is going to be like a uh, golden book, a depth of biology. So please, if you're a nurse or a doctor... Uh, don't zing me afterwards for being technically wrong here. But this is what I, I've been thinking. This is what a, a head does. A head directs the body. And when I mean that, I mean the head tells the body what to do, controls the functions of the body. It takes the information that the body gathers, it processes it, translates it, and responds to it. It regulates the body. The head essentially controls the functions of the body. If I'm going to open and close my hand, the head is telling me to do that. If I'm going to walk, the head is telling me to do that. If I'm going to breathe, the head is telling me to do that, not even in a conscious way, but in an unconscious way. There's some brain cell in my head that is the breathe brain cell. And he sits there all day and he's like, breathe, breathe, breathe. And he's like next to the heart brain cell. He's like, he pushes a button, pump, pump. I mean, they got a lame job, but they're there, and they're operating all the time. I don't have to think to breathe, I breathe. But the head is nonetheless directing it. There's nothing that my body does that is not occurring because my head is in some way leading it to do that. And that's kind of an internal idea of what the head does. The head directs the internal functions of the body of Christ. That's what it does. Now, when I say the body of Christ and I speak about members, I think the church... Oftentimes, we, we, it's natural for us to begin to kind of proceed down this path of thinking about the body of Christ from the neck down. 
Because we think of things like in Corinthians about giftedness, and we think about you somewhere in somebody's mind here, they're thinking, I wonder what part of the body I am. And that's what I do, you know, are you a foot or your head, or are you like a spleen? You know, are you behind the scenes? Are you are you are you there? Are you the eye? Are you the mouth? What are you? But what I want us to do this morning is to realize that the head is defined not by the neck down, but by the neck up. The mind of the body directs the body. And that's this morning, if we can start this series in any way, if I can tell you, begin to lend to you uh, an idea of how I began to think about what church leadership should look like, it began with the fact that the head directs the body of Christ. And the head of that body is Jesus. Here's something else the head does. The head doesn't just direct the internal functions of the body, whether I should open my hands or walk or breathe or read. The head also defines the purpose for those actions. This is outside of physiology, but it's as significant, and it's the mysterious side of the head. The head doesn't simply say, close my hand. The head decides what I should close my hand around and what I should do with that object. It gives the closing and the opening of the hand purpose. The head defines the purpose or the reason. It answers the why am I doing what I'm doing. It is ins- our bodies are worthless if there's no purpose behind it, and that purpose comes from the head. Christ is the head of the body. It not only directs the body on what to do, but it fuels the body with purpose. Did you see how it ends? By the way, this passage ends. It says Christ's fullness is constantly filling the church. That is such a beautiful image that Christ is so full that he's filling the church. And I feel that Christ is the head of the body in the sense that he ought to direct us what to do, but Christ is the head of the body in the sense that he ought to direct us why we're doing it or for what reason we're doing it or what our purpose is. With that said, you can imagine that churches are sometimes out of balance. There are occasions when we have churches And certainly I would think we might fall in this category, or this might be the one we're threatened with, where we have a a physically fit body. From the neck down, there are churches that can look pretty good. They're fit, they're capable, they're coordinated, they have abilities and gifts expressed, there's some balance. And those churches are viable so long as the head of that church is Jesus Christ. But if the head of that church is not Jesus Christ, in a spiritual sense, the church is dead. In a spiritual sense, that is a body laying on a bed with a doctor at the end going, this is a dead human. This is an organ donor, is all it is. From the neck down, it's an organ donor. But the church itself is dead if Christ is not the head. And you can see this. There's temptations all the time for us to, uh, instead of Christ being the head of the church, for a building to be the head of the church, or a solitary ministry to be head of the church, or a... um, a very popular movement that comes through the church to be the head of the church. And if that's the head of the church and not Christ, then no matter what our role is, the church can be dead. So that's the first thing to think about. And the second thing here is that if Christ is the head of the church, we can be a pretty lame body, but we're still alive. You think of that. If Christ is the head, we may be limping and broken and wizened and atrophied and malnourished and misformed and, and deformed and all those other words, handicapped, but Christ is still the head of the body and the body is still viable. And somewhere, we, we exist somewhere in there. We exist somewhere with this idea that Christ, we're struggling to keep Christ the head of the church 
and we're struggling somewhere with we're not as fit for Christ as we ought to be. That somewhere the mind of Christ is demanding something which we are not coordinated enough to accomplish. And so the goal then is to pursue a body that can respond to the commands of Christ. And that's what we'll be talking about for the next six weeks.